Welcome to Concerning the Spiritual in Art, a podcast exploring spirituality, consciousness, and the creative process. I'm your host, Martin Benson. Hey, y'all. I'm going to cut in here real quick just to give you a quick reminder about leaving a rating and a comment about the podcast if you're liking what you're listening to. Uh, Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, leading a rating or a comment will really help the show continue to gain traction and uh, reach wider and wider audience. Also, on my Instagram page, I'm now offering subscriptions for 99 cents a month. That's less than $12 a year that goes towards helping support the production of the podcast. And in return, you're going to get sneak peeks for all the episodes, inside looks to the artists, print giveaways, and other things that are going to happen just for the subscription base. So if you really uh, believe in this project and want to support it, subscribing on Instagram will go a long way to help me continue to create great content. Uh, Now back to the show, y'all. Peace. All right, y'all. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have Kelsey Brooks on the podcast. And man, it was another mind blower. We had just an amazing exchange. And uh, we sort of began our conversation talking about his origins as a a molecular biologist and how he sort of transformed his life path into doing what he's doing now, making these epic, amazing, uh, abstract, psychedelic paintings that he does. And um, we talked a lot about how his interest in science related into his interest in art and how he brought sort of a similar mindset that he had as a scientist into the way that he makes art and sort of the interests he has. And it all seems to kind of circle back to the importance of awe and being in a state of wonder and of the majesty of life. And so we just had a really beautiful exchange about all these things, not only related to his work, but related to these bigger ideas that connect to it. Um, we talked about consciousness. We talked about sort of this cultural space that we're in and this sort of transitionary space from like kind of the old guard into the new guard and what that means. And um, just a really amazing uh, conversation that went to a lot of awesome places. And I think y'all are going to really dig it. So here you go, y'all. Kelsey Brooks. All right, Kelsey, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you doing? Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm doing wonderful awesome man i'm super i mean what an awesome day for you and i to connect like on the equinox like just the sort of way this kind of came together pretty quickly and here we are being able to kind of dive deep into all the things that i think we have a lot of shared interest about in terms of art sacred geometry psychedelics um just the merging of art and science like there's just so many cool things that i feel like in parallels that we have together but, and I've been yeah. following your art forever and I'm just such a huge fan of what you've been doing and your evolution and how you continue to find new ways mm-hmm. to push your imagery and your approach to your practice, which is just for me, so refreshing to witness. And I think a really cool way for us to kind of enter into this conversation is to kind of go all the way back to this point, because a big part of your biography is like you were a scientist, a molecular biologist. And then all of a sudden there was this shift that happened where you started to focus your energy on making art and kind of taking this, I guess, leap of faith um, into your art practice. And I just, I'm curious, like what was going on at that time? Like what was going on in your mind? Like what drove you to kind of make that sort of seemingly dramatic shift? Uh, Well, first of all, thank you for that nice introduction. That's uh, very sweet of you. It made me feel good. So thank you. I mean it, dude. So Thank you. Um, So going back to that time when I was switching, I mean, I think 
what was going on is I had, I mean, it really depends on how far, how deep we want to go back into this. But like, I think for a long time, what I did was I just followed interest and followed like, um, what kind of like what my parents told me to do or what I had an aptitude towards. Mm. And so, you know, that just happened to be science. I just loved the sign. I just liked answers, I guess. Like, you know, I felt like from a young age, I had a lot of questions and science seems like a place where you could go and get an answer that wasn't kind of just random. (laughs) It seemed (laughs) to be based on something more important. Um, At least I felt that way. Yeah. And I mean, I I think I still do, but I think that's why I was interested in science. And I had an aptitude towards, towards math um, and chemistry. And I was just in love with that stuff. And so, yeah, I followed that and, it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe it's just like the general like way brains mature. But at some point I was like, well, well what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. Like, is this what I want to do? And I was working at, a, you know, I had worked at the Centers for Disease Control for a couple of years. And then I had ended up at a biotech company here in San Diego. And I was working in the research department and I was like, this is really fun. And like, I hadn't really thought too much about it. But mm-hmm. I was like, is this what I want to do forever? Like, what's the <laughs> next step for me? Um, and and so what I had thought was like, well, what do I want my supervisor's job? Do I want to go back to school, get a PhD and do what she's doing? And I was like, well, that's kind of fun. But like, you know, I have to do the commute every day to drive in. And like, you know, you have the general hassles of like kind of um, uh, a life commuting to a desk and to an <laughs> office and to a laboratory. Do I want that? And I, I was like, oh, it doesn't really seem that great. <laughs> So I don't know, man. I think I had, there was just some amount of awakening as I got a little bit older into my like early 20s and mid 20s where I was like, is this forever? Yeah. You're starting to see like a bigger picture, a bigger span. like you can kind of predict maybe like where this is going. And that's, you know, a lot of people don't even recognize that in those moments, they just kind of follow the pattern and then they catch up to them maybe like a decade later or two decades later, they're all of a sudden find themselves in this existential moment. Like, where the fuck am I? Like, what did I, how did I get here? So I think that's amazing that you were like listening so deeply to that intuitive questioning about what it is you were actually doing and where it might be leading you. Have you always been like making art on the side? Like had that ever, like, how did that enter the equation for you? Yeah. And I think a I I loved art, you know, as a kid, I remember really enjoying it. And, um, you know, like all kids do. But I remember my disillusion of, of art happened in like maybe second or third grade. I remember I had a friend who learned how to draw an airplane, not like we were doing like basically a circle with two lines mm-hmm. out. Um, and of course, bombs or lasers <laughs> yeah. or whatever we had on it. But it was out of perspective, right? So like Mm -hmm. one wing was up, one wing was down and the fuselage was in the center and like everything made sense in this like kind of three-dimensional way. And I was like, oh, well, if Vance, his name was Vance Howell, if Vance knows how to do this and I don't, he's the artist and I'm, Mm. I meant for something else, right? Like, so that's how my like brain thought when I was a kid. So I was like, okay, I'm, that's done for me. He's the best and I'll do something else. Um, but I always loved to do it and I just kept, you know, continue to draw on the side. And then as I got older, when I was at university, um, I, you know, I was a science major. And so I couldn't get into the art classes. You had to allow art majors to be in there first. And mm-hmm. if there was an open spot, I could then go. Yeah. And I was, so I did tried to get into intro to drawing for like 
four years. So oh, I was like, no. And I could never get in. Oh, and so I would do, there'd be like extracurricular life drawing things. And I would go do that. And I, you know, I just really enjoyed it. And like a lot of the friends I had in college were artists. Um, I remember just being like, what the fuck? Like I'm going and like killing myself studying like biochemistry and like learning about how this stuff works. To me, that was difficult. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, seeing their life drawing classes, I was like, oh my God, you get to do that? Like, mm-hmm. That is so much more fun. <laughs> Well, you, you found a way to, to get to do that, you know, and that's, what's so amazing, you know, about like where your work has gone. And I think this relationship to your scientific interest and how it plays into the work you're making now is just such a fascinating sort of angle to take. It makes me think of the Da Vinci quote, like, I think it's like to have a complete mind, you need to like, understand the science of art and the art of science. And how oh, those things, great. you know, to have a complete mind. And I feel like that's really like what you're doing. Like you're bringing that scientific mindset, right? Mm. And the curiosity of like the building blocks of life. Like what, what is it that makes this reality the way it is? And you're yeah. kind of learning that language, um, which is, it, it is a language, it's math, but then it's expressed in geometry, but then the geometry is expressed in the organic forms of nature, which are yeah. based on these principles, but have these surprising moments to them and this sort of amazing way in which they meander through space. And so I see all that in your work. Is that something like when you started to make that shift, were you already making that connection or like, how did it evolve into what you're making now? Like, was there sort of an intermediary kind of body of work that kind of led you into what you're doing kind of now? Yeah. Oh, very much so. No, I, there was, uh, there's no clear path for me in life. And I mean, maybe there is for some people and like, that's so great. I, I would be very comforting, but no, for me, it's always just been like, I don't really know what the fuck's happening <laughs> and I'm just going to follow my interests and hope that that works out. Yeah. Um, so no, there is, there was a decade in there where I had, I mean, the story is fucking crazy and um, <laughs> we could go into it, but like I was working in the lab and I was, putting paintings up in like coffee shops and stuff like that. And I was like, this is super fun and this is great. But like, it wasn't until I sold one of those paintings. I was like, oh, like if I did that times 10, that would equal rent for a month, Mm. which would mean I could just paint. You know, like I was very, I'm just an idiot. Honestly, I'm (laughs) like a total moron. And I just put that together and I was like, okay, that sounds great. Like maybe I could do that, but it wasn't, it was years later yeah. where I finally it was, had the courage to try it out. Yeah. But yes, like to get back to your question, yes, there's a decade of me making paintings that were figurative mm. before I finally connected um, science, like my previous knowledge into my art making path. And then those two came together and that created a lot of the stuff that I'm guessing you, you and other people may have seen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what's so cool, especially like um, some of you have kind of different bodies of work or different kind of aspects of explorations, like your Fibonacci series, you know, exploring the actual like number of like Fibonacci, you know, the exponential sort of phi ratio um, explorations, but then also like exploring like actual uh, molecular structures of like certain psychedelic compounds. Like where, where does the psychedelic component to your interest come in and has, has like, was it like a psychedelic experience that you had that made you sort of like more interested in that on its, on a molecular level, like in terms of its form? Um, well, so yeah, I mean, so I, 
the, I mean, the way it came in was basically through science. Like I, the first molecule painting I made was of serotonin mm. and I was just interested. I really was interested in consciousness. Like it's yeah. still something that I'm like very, I mean, interested in and excited about. Um, and so, well, I was interested in neurotransmitters. Like these are, you know, like as a scientist, I think, I, I think in general, as a reductionist, I try and reduce things to like first principles and then grow from there mm. to like understand. Yeah. And so I was doing that and I was like, well, neuro neurons use these neurotransmitters to connect. And like, apparently consciousness resides, has something to do with our brain. And mm -hmm. so I was like, well, what's going on in our brain? Neurons are in our brain. How do neurons communicate? You get to neurotransmitters. And so I started painting and I painted a neurotransmitter and I was like, it's a serotonergic, uh, you know, serotonin is really interesting, but there's all these other molecules that are related to serotonin. Mm -hmm the serotonin, uh, serotonergic hallucinogens that I was like, well, I could paint those too. Um, and I did have some questions about that because I was like, is this where I want to go? Mm -hmm. Like, is psychedelic something I, is that a place I want to go? And like, um, I was, I did have an interest in psychedelics. You know, I took them in high school, just in party sort of atmospheres yeah. or whatever. Um, but they, that was a seed. And that's mm -hmm. why like, you hear a lot now when people talk about psychedelics, you hear a lot of a very serious and earnestness in it. Mm. And like, you have to do it. Everything has to be integrated. You need to have a therapist. You need to have set and setting and everything has to be perfect. And like, yes, <laughs> all that. I agree. But like, I don't know anybody in my life that started out that way. No, you know, maybe, right. there, maybe there are, there will be a generation one day that just starts out that way and stays in that cocoon. Mm -hmm. But like, I just didn't feel that way. Like I'm a human and things are messy and I'm an idiot. And like I took <laughs> it at parties and it was fucking crazy. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Oh yeah. And dude. that was the beginning, you know, that was the interest. Mm -hmm. And from there, you know, like I've matured and, you know, tried to stabilize a lot of that stuff with just meditation. Now, yeah. But, um, yeah. I was like, well, that's, they're mind blowing. And it's very obvious they're mind blowing. You take an, you know, you take enough of any of them and you're like, holy shit yeah like, it's dude just, it's an incredible and so i was like well that's worth painting about like there's, mm -hmm. there's something worth talking about in there and so then i started painting the um a lot of those serotonergic hallucinogens and so that began the whole process because then i did that and i was like well what else do people alter consciousness with and i was like well there's a bunch of people who are interested in mood stabilization for um you know different um psychiatric problems and so I was like well that's worth checking out and so I did a whole show that was all based on that and then I was like well, what else do we do well, like we party there's a lot of party drugs out there so mm -hmm. I started like painting party drugs um and so I went through a whole you know probably a decade of doing that wow um, where and then you know that of course birthed other ideas you yeah know? Like, um, I think that's what's so fresh about your practice is it's like the way that you can move from one thing to another, it just, it feels very genuine. It feels like this is just like a real genuine expression of just who you are and how you sort of approach your ideas, like the way that they can just kind of bubble off and take you to these new places. Um, and I think that to me, like what you're just to revert back to what you're saying about like the psychedelic experience, it is so fascinating to see because it's like now in the forefront of like mainstream media, there's, there's, you know, very serious research being done on it with incredible results that could be really actually life altering for a lot of people, especially certain swatch of people dealing with very difficult traumatic experiences. We're seeing just so much amazing therapeutic benefit. But I was the same way. Like I started off just like not not like having sort of like the uh, 
the mindset of the fool a little bit, you know, just not yeah. really even understanding what I was actually doing and just thank God it worked out and it was amazing and great. But like now I've kind of reverted to the same place. It seems like you have where, how do we access these different states of consciousness through our own chemistry, our own neurochemistry, our own biology, through meditation, through breath work and through all yeah. that. And I look at your work and it's so meditative. I mean, the amount of time and energy and focus and detail that goes into the creation of the paintings you do, the act of making those paintings themselves are transforming your consciousness because it takes such a deep level of, of focus. Have you noticed that in terms of like when you've really started to get into those paintings with, especially I guess with the serotonin was like sort of the beginning point, but you're still doing these very sort of organic, but yet sort of regimented approaches to your practice that are, again, take deep levels of focus. Have you noticed like a shift in the way that your mind is through the act of making these paintings? Um, I, so I haven't taken like a, a notice of it there. I was like, oh man, like everything's changing, but um, yes, it definitely affects me. I mean, everything you do change, you know, changes the structure of your brain, neuroplasticity, right? Yeah, exactly. Changing. Yeah. Um, and so, so I don't know. I know that when I was doing, um, there was a, t a time or a couple of years in my life where I was doing this one point of attention. Um, and it was like, you know, a Vipassana sort of mm -hmm. structure where you sit and you're like focusing on your breath. And every time your mind wanders from that, you bring it back. And yeah. that to me felt a lot like painting, you know, yeah. because like, as I'm there, I'm making these lines and I'm paying really like a deep attention to one specific thing and watching the paint move off of the brush. You have to know when to reload the brush. You have yeah. to pay attention to how the width of the line, how far it is from the distance between the next line. So you're really there. You're really mm -hmm. connected. Yeah. It's going well. Um, and so I felt like, oh, I know this. Like yeah. this, is, this paying attention to my breath is something and constantly bringing it back is something I do like for a living. Basically. Yes, dude. So yeah, I get, I felt that, but like, you know, the, that was one of my, the mini meditation, you know, the path of making paintings and nothing's ever the same is like kind of the same as meditation. Like yeah. I've continued to move through different practices and um, I'm in a place now where I think that ability to stabilize and focus and pay attention to draw on a deep well of attention is important for other aspects of meditative practice. A hundred percent, man. I've been on the meditative journey for about 15 years now. And like wow. over the years, you, yeah, you, you kind of go through phases of certain practices, like the one pointed attention, um, whether it's Vipassana or Shamatha meditation, where you're just deeply focused on whether it's breathing or body sensation. It really does though, transform like your relationship to the subtle nature of your consciousness and your sort of like energy, the energy inside of you. And for me, I'm, I'm always so like fascinated by like, what is consciousness? Like, does it come from the brain or is the brain receiving it? Is consciousness just like everything is consciousness yeah. or is it, is it sort of a mechanism of, of biology? And when I dive deep into like these meditations where I'm going inward, like the Vipassana ones, you start to see all of these sort of packets of, of concepts or these packets of ideas just fall apart and dissolve into this sort of sea of oneness, the sea yeah. of like non-differentiated experience. 
And so it's such a mystery for me as well, but I like to think of it as like, that is the baseline that connects all of us. And so when you connect in that way, whether it's through painting or whether it's through like a formal seated practice, you are connecting with like the fabric of life, like the, the actual webbing that connects us all. And to me, that is such a beautiful place to be in, but I see your work. I can feel the energy from your work because you're maybe not all the time in that state of mind, but you have these glimpses probably through your process where you are. And I feel like it's being transmitted into the work and back into me. Like I just feel that, especially some of the large scale ones, they just, even though I haven't even seen them in person, I can just feel the immensity of, of the energy put into them and the intention. Do you have like any kind of rituals or ways you approach the studio to like get yourself in the mindset to be ready to to do this kind of work or are you able to just kind of jump right in where you left off i am i am now developing um and it really just takes the form of appreciation it's like showing up and just appreciating the fact that i have the time i have the space and i have the opportunity to make something um and you know, I'm definitely not taking that for granted. Yeah. And, you know, before I leave the studio every day, you know, like right before I turn out the lights, I always took like look back on what I was doing through the day or just looking at the space and just being like grounded, you know, like I'm here. Yeah. I'm appreciating like, thank you. Like, and I feel that deeply. Like, I just feel like it's such an honor to be given the opportunity to make these things. Yeah, man. It's so, and, you know, when you feel it, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you keep going. Yeah. I just felt, I feel like when I do, as you like learn to pay attention more to subtler and subtler things that are happening in your experience, um, what I notice or what I, one thing I've taken away is that like I, whatever there was that was me that I was identifying with before the self, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't seem to find it so easily. Yeah. Anymore. I mean, I'm a, I'm a selfish person, obviously. I'm like, <laughs> I have issue, you know, like I, I don't always want to take my kids to go do one thing or do another, you know, like sometimes <laughs> I want to do shit. I'm a fucking person, right? Yeah, exactly. But like I noticed that the self is just a little bit lighter. Yeah. Um, and I noticed that like, so, so then it makes me think like, well, who's making these paintings? Like mm. if it's, if the self that I had before that I was really identified with seems to be loosening, then who's making these paintings? And when I think about it, like the ideas come effortlessly. Yeah. And the effort I put in happens, you know, essentially effortlessly. All mm-hmm. I do is show up. Yeah. And it happens. And so I am in, I, that is, I'm like deep bow of respect to that. Like, I don't know why it works. I don't know how it works, but I have, it used to be for a decade plus or more. I just got, got here and started working and didn't pay any attention. Mm. And the, I think what I'm doing now is just appreciating that, yeah. that that happens, that that magic is real in this world. Yeah. It's just, I'm in awe of it. And so, yes, to appreciate that is something I'm doing now. That's so beautiful, man. I mean, yeah, gratitude is everything because I think gratitude, when it's true, it's coming from a place of like not knowing and kind of surrendering to like this mysterious experience of life and and allowing yourself to kind of be taken downstream you know what i mean and not fighting so much against the currents anymore because i agree with you yeah like we have these individuated expressions kelsey martin i have my life story i have all these ideas in mind of who i think i am versus who i might want to be or what have you but all those things are illusions they're all just kind of like 
not really grounded concepts in reality. They're just sort of like these floating components to my experience, but they're not what is being experienced or who is experiencing it. You know what I mean? We talk about the self. And I think that the awareness beyond the identification with who we are as an individual expression, who we are, what roles we play in our life. I think about that a lot, like the role of, I'm a father too, the role of a father, a husband, an artist, a teacher, a neighbor, a stranger, you know yeah. what I mean? Like all these roles I play, like it's a part of the game, but it's not what the game really ultimately is. It's coming yeah. from this place where you can not be attached to any of that stuff and you can live in the consciousness of awareness that like, the and which is for me, like what you're expressing is gratitude. Like, wow, like this is life. Like here I am, I'm alive and experiencing God knows what this is, but here I am. And there's something so beautiful about being able to touch that space within yourself because the ego is so good at, hijacking all the good things in your life and all the, you know what I mean? Like hijacking yeah. everything. And I think when you're in the state of gratitude, it's automatically creating spaciousness from the identification with the ego. So I think yeah. that's so beautiful that like you kind of develop this organic ritual of just looking back and appreciating. Um, it's yeah. something I try to always do when I get caught up in my own wants and needs and desires. It's like, get rid of all that and think about like just the fact that you're alive, you're breathing there's beautiful yeah. things all around you. Like this is enough, you know? Yeah. I could think everywhere we look. Yeah, man. I can think about like a big psychedelic experience I had on LSD. Um, me and my wife and some friends, we were, uh, you know, taking LSD in, in the park here in new Orleans and something happened where like all of the identification of the story fell away it was kind of an ego death, this kind of experience. And I remember just being in this space of just sheer openness and love, like, but not like in like a conceptual way. It was like, it was the experience. And I look back at that. I can't even explain it. You know, like, you know, these things are ineffable. They escape any sort of ways we can explain. I think that's why I make art. I think that maybe is why you make art because we're trying to yeah. express things we can't fully express. Yeah. But that experience lives with me forever as like a sign of the potential that I have within myself to really fully and completely love everything in a full way. And, and so I always look back at that and try to cultivate that. And gratitude is is kind of the energy signature of that. Um, That's great. So That's I just wanted to awesome. share that because I definitely can can vibe with that. It's It is a beautiful thing to be able to do what you do and do what we do, make art like you know, it has no real survival practicalities to it. It's kind of a weird thing that humans do as a species, right? That we right. make these things that have no sort of real impact on our ability to survive and pass our genes on. It's like, it's in another dimension, you know? So that's why art for yeah. me is always kind of a sign of that there's something greater going on here than just trying to survive, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I think, I mean, all that is, all that is really great. I think like, um, yeah, it isn't a practical thing and we don't need to do it. And it has spun out of our society as like this kind of meta thing that we get to do. Yeah. Um, it is pretty crazy that it is something that it, we, we get to do, but I don't know, man. A lot of times we you were talking about like, yeah, it's not practical and it doesn't make sense. And it made me think that like, a lot or how ineffable it is and how it's just like kind of here or there and 
I, I often think, and I'm going to pass this along to people because I feel like it's helped me a lot when things get difficult, is I just think about this, about time and how deep time is and how long it goes and how, you know, like whatever, I don't really know. There's probably not a material, a lot of material left around of an artist from 500 years ago and certainly mm-hmm. not from a thousand years ago. Um, and even if they're ma- the material is left, like a pillar somewhere in mm-hmm. like Tepe or oh, wow, someplace yeah. in, in Germany, I don't know, I mean, who knows where it would be. Um, the artist's story doesn't matter so much. The material is there and that's interesting, but like eventually even that's going to go away, exactly. right? Mm-hmm. And so like, what, what are we doing? Like we're just <laughs> having some fun and it's interesting. It yeah. will all go away. So like hold it for me. I know for some people that sounds heavy and they're like, well, what's the point? But for mm-hmm. me, that's always allowed a lightness to be. Yes. It's like, oh, like, fuck it. It's not, it's nothing. It's not going on my permanent record. <laughs> permanent record. Exactly. Like, it's all good. Like make what you want to make. Yeah. And, you know, if it doesn't sell, it doesn't sell. Like whatever you get to keep it. And that's amazing. Like, yeah, man. Who knows what the fuck's going on? And so that helps me sometimes when I'm like, fuck, why didn't I get that show? Or why didn't I get this? Mm-hmm. Or why didn't I get that? You know, when, when this ego sort of grows, just knowing like, Hey, it's all, it's all going away. Exactly, man. It all dissolves, man. There's no permanency. The impermanence is such a a beautiful thing to really contemplate. And and like, you're right. For some, it can be very scary. It can be very trepidatious to think about the fact that nothing is static, you know, or if there is something static, we're still seeking what that is. And maybe we like can experience it on some level, but for real, if you pay attention, everything's changing all the time. So like even the, right. the work that you're doing, yeah, no matter how amazing it is, you get all the accolades, it goes in the best museum ever and it's there. Eventually it's all turning into dust. The sun will explode, yeah. you know, like this all yeah. will dissolve. So like, what is the point? And I think it's, there's an energy of consciousness that I think doesn't fall apart. And I don't know what it is. And this is my own perspective, just through my own experiences. And maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong. But like, deeply, I feel like there's this energy of consciousness that that is never broken, just like energy is never, you know, never goes away, right? It just transforms, right? It doesn't, it doesn't come into existence or go away existence just is. But and I think there's an energy that you put out by doing these things that affect other people's consciousness, that they can take that energy with them to the next experience that whatever is coming, whatever is going on. It makes me think of this quote from Maya Angelou, or it's like my butcher it, but she's like something like people will never remember what you did or what you said or what you accomplished, but they'll always remember how you made them feel, you know? Mm. And and so it's like this, there's an energy underneath it all that I think does have a lasting impact. And that is what matters ultimately is the kind of way in which we care for each other, the way in which we make others feel. And I think through something like what you're doing, I can speak to myself. It inspires the hell out of me. Like when I see what you're up to and I see the evolution of your work, like it makes me like, so feel so good and like, feel so energized. I'm like, I got to get in the studio and start doing my thing. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like the leading by example sort of idea as well. And I think there's something magical about being able to put your time and energy into what you're doing as like a, as basically like a signifier to people that like life isn't so serious about like practicalities of making money and doing this and that, but like there's something magical about just the creative act itself. And there's something that for me that connects me to the, if there is a creator, if there is the grand God or universal mind, you know, like 
making art in some ways for me connects me to the creative principle of life. And yeah, so that, right. yeah. And so that makes me think about some of the other work that you're exploring. When I think about like the sacred geometry and the Fibonacci, like I think about these things all the time. And to me, they're like thumbprints of like some sort of grand design or scheme or ways in which everything fits together so perfectly. Um, yeah. I'm curious for you, like, and as you explored like Fibonacci through your own individual expression of that exploration, like the way you do what you do, like, is there something that like unlocks in your mind or like just a reminder of, of something that's related to this grand design, like this mystery of like how everything just seems to fit together so perfectly? Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I was really interested in, I was interested in prime numbers at first and then that kind of grew into Fibonacci. Um, and yeah. And so that definitely connected me deeply to this feeling of awe that mm -hmm. is like I think one of the reasons I started being interested in science and kind of like a small little like um thing I do like to talk about like you know a lot of people think that like I'm gonna go off on this little side note do it so I'll put a pin in that other thing real quick <laughs> yeah like, yeah there, I think there's a general feeling that science does is the opposite of you know religiosity or spirituality or appreciation of beauty and like I always, that always rubs me the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Like I got into science because science gave me answers. Like when I learned about the Krebs cycle, it wasn't just like a thing I had to learn on a test to regurgitate. I was unlocking the secret chemistry that powers a fucking planet. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, what, I, I don't understand how you don't feel awe. Like, yeah. how you, like it was like biochemistry to me was amazing. And wow. like just learning about it, I don't know what, so I don't understand why these things get separated into these two these two camps. But I know that like, to get back to the question, to, so I know when I started paying attention to Fibonacci, I started seeing it in a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, as like, you know, that's part of the lore, the interest of it. And so I think I was like, well, what's up with that? And so going back and learning about evolutionary biology and learning about how how nature mother nature really is conservative she likes to hold on to things and if it works well over here in a sea sponge it might work really well in a tree and it might work again really well in like designing the nerve you know the um nervous system of a human mm. um and so just seeing that these patterns repeat themselves all throughout yes. um life reminds me of awe it's just like it's inspiring <laughs> like once you connect all that shit and then you see it for me, what's left is awe. Like yeah, I'm like, man. oh, it's amazing. You got you got to see a tiny little piece of a secret, and it's not the deepest secret. It's maybe a surface level secret, but it's here for us to reveal, <laughs> yeah. right? It's there, and it's been revealed. And like, I have an understanding of that secret now um, that is unique and special to the way an artist and a scientist might see that mm -hmm. secret being revealed. Um, and, and so, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to share that. Like, yeah, it does connect back to awe and how yeah, like, that man. has been a driving force and for me in science and in, and in art. Definitely. I mean, I totally agree with you, what you're saying about this, like sort of separation between spirituality and science. I don't know where that kind of happened. Cause like, if you go back into, into like even the history of like modern science, I think about someone you know, like Isaac Newton, he was an alchemist. Like he was interested in yeah. some pretty trippy, amazing, you know, sort of esoteric things. And yet he also discovered, 
you know, very important principles of, you know, Newtonian physics, like what we talk about today. I mean, like, I think scientists were so connected to spirituality for a long time. I think that's what kind of drove the enlightenment and sort of this shift into where we are today. But then somewhere along the lines, and I don't know where it was, there was this yeah. notion that they kind of like separated out. And so it's like, I think religion is definitely has a lot of issues with it because of dogma, because of power and control, which to me relates to sort of this human tendency of the ego to want to use something that's good for its own end. You know, we see that over and over again in terms of how power structures come to be the way they are manipulating, you know, large swaths of people for their own sense of power, so to speak. But yeah. I think we do live in a time where like, we have to find a way to bring these things back together and discover a new expression of what religion is about. Um, Cause my own like a journey as a seeker, like learning about all kinds of world religions and practicing all sorts of, you know, meditative practices or even like esoteric magical practices that I've just been interested in. You see that there's this thread of commonality amongst all of them. And like, I feel like for me, like, the religion is sort of like this casing that has a certain cultural expression to it. And wherever you go on the planet, like that culture was expressing these bigger ideas in their own way in which they knew how to express it. But underneath it, like this essence, there's this thread of similarity of these concepts that are all related to each other. And I feel like science, and I feel like if you go deep into the scientific method, like in the most authentic way of the scientific method, like truly letting go of bias, you know, as best as you can, and truly having the mind of awe and openness to what is presented to you without some sort of preconceived outcome that you're trying to get to. Like the scientific method in its, in its pure state is spiritual practice, because mm -hmm. it is just like opening to what can be, like you said, like the, how we can reveal these secrets of the universe to us if we really understand this method of inquiry. And so I feel like we live in a time where we need those things to come back together more than ever so that we can respect each other's religious expressions, whether you are, you know, an atheist or you're a staunch Catholic, like it doesn't matter. There's a commonality there of connection, I think, that we need to find. And I uh, hope we will, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I think as we're left with a lot of evolutionary legacies. Uh, and like, I actually think that like that organizing principles of religion, they helped us get to a place mm -hmm. and societies, the organizing principles of societies and politics, they help you get to a place, but it doesn't mean that's the end. Exactly. It's just like, yeah, you get to a place and you have to see where, well, what's the next step? Like mm -hmm. what, where do we go from here? And that's what we're all doing. Yeah. Like we're all taking the next steps out of things and it's difficult and confusing, but like, yeah, we just got to keep moving forward. Yeah. Cause I think when you're in, I think this is kind of how I feel about the time we're living in. We live in a very complex time of a lot of contentiousness, um, just the hyperpolarization of even America, you know, you and I both live in America. We can see it every day if we mm -hmm. want to see it, but we can also see the magical mystical beauty and everything if you want to see yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but I feel like there are these points in our evolutionary trajectory where we have this, I guess, like the old guard is kind of holding on, clutching for dear life to something that ultimately they're going they're, you know what I mean? They're on their way out, mm -hmm. but they're like yeah. really clutching as hard as they can. And then the new sort of wave is starting to pull us into this new evolutionary sort of field. 
And so there's that tension that happens in these kind of like liminal spaces between like one sort of evolutionary moment and another. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at. We're in this sort of in-between space of, of a lot of tension between letting go of, of the old and, and allowing space for what's to come to emerge. And so I feel like it's really ripe with so many incredible possibilities, like as, as seemingly bleak and dark as it can feel sometimes, especially if you're really deeply you know, sucked into the news cycles, it can make you feel incredibly depressed very quickly. Um, you, there is this sense of like immense possibility that I feel that like all the tools, all the ideas, all the sort of like technologies that we have here, like if we have the right consciousness, the right awareness, we could implement them in ways that could transform society in ways we can never imagine currently. I feel like it's a weird space we live in right now, but it's, I'm yeah. excited by it in some ways too. Yeah. Yeah. What, so you said something about how like the older generation, you know, they're like holding on tightly and then, you know, they're eventually going to like move on and then the next generation is going to hold things up. And I was just thinking, this just popped into my head randomly, but I was wondering if like there needs to be somebody or something or some sort of like ceremony that just says like, like you did the best you could yeah like, fuck yes like good job exactly you did a good job you fucked up a lot of shit <laughs> but you did some shit right and like thank you so much for showing us the not right way to do shit yeah. and like we're gonna do our best to take this little vessel this like hope that you had for your generation and we're gonna take it and we're gonna fuck up yeah right like the next generation is gonna see all the fuck ups that our generation is gonna mm -hmm. do right um, but I wonder if there needs to be some sort of like ceremony in Congress that's like, all right, guys, thank you. Fuck yes. Like, yeah. good job. Exactly. Like, let's have a big party and thank you for like giving the best, doing the best you could. But like, we gotta, we're gonna do, we're doing the shit a little bit different. Mm -hmm. We're gonna not throw everything out, right? Yeah, like, yeah. We're not gonna throw it all out, but some stuff's gotta go away. Definitely, because I think evolution is all about that, like the shedding of what's not working, you know, like the shedding of, of what is no longer needed. And so we have to create space for something new. And in order yeah. to do that, we have to empty out, right? Like you have to become empty in order to be filled with something else. And then you have to empty again to be filled and then empty again. It's like a cycle, it's a process. And I think when we try to like hold on to something the way we think it should be as it should always be like we're actually impeding upon a natural cycle of transformation yeah. i love yeah. that let's come up with some kind of ceremony to like uh -huh. you know? well, maybe it's a good thing for us to remember in our hearts as we right? begin to get older and like our children start to be like hey like whatever i don't know social media like that was cool for you but like we want to keep the best parts of that the connection mm -hmm. the keeping up with your really deep friends and your loved ones who you unfortunately are separated by continents with or whatever but like a lot of the other stuff like we're gonna move away from that. yeah you know like and good good for them like yeah do it like, no for it. sure it. man we need yeah i think it's like because we have to acknowledge the wisdom of the past just like we acknowledge yeah, yeah. like the lineage of, of wisdom holders throughout time that have left remnants of their knowledge, of their experience, of their ideas that we can access today. I think just even having the internet is so incredible. Like I can learn about anything that's really taken place on this planet that has any form of documentation or lineage that's been passed down. Like I can learn about it, but like 50 years ago, like if I wanted to learn about like 
anything that was happening on the other side of the globe of thousands of years ago, I'd have to go to a library to go through books and I have to go through that. But now I set the, it's at the touch of my fingertip, but we have yeah. to be able to like, the problem is, it's like, how do we sift through like all of that information and find the nuggets of wisdom that have stuck around to help us carry that through? Like we can't negate, like you were saying, like we can't negate the good things that came from these, you know, from other generations, we have to take that with us. It's like, it's almost like they're offering to us and now it's our turn to take the torch, you know, yeah. but it's, it's hard to do because I think like we touched upon earlier, like the ego wants to attach to everything. Right. And it wants to make it its own. But I think we have to get into the state of mind and consciousness where like, we realize that it's, all shared it's all it belongs to all of us and there is no singular ownership there is no singular king on the mountaintop you know yeah. um but like how do we how we do that is a mystery to me but i think what i'm finding in my life is like we just have to like what you're what you're talking about too is like we have to just live in this sort of state of consciousness that appreciates that is open that's in awe right that is constantly yeah. like letting go of like their selfish desires and just appreciating like what's here. I think that sort of like open sort of awe inspired state of mind is what will allow us to like continue to evolve because we're not attached so much. We can allow change to happen, but change is really hard. It's really challenging for a lot of people, but we, that's the, what we live in is a soup of infinite change. And so you either get with it or you fight against it. Um, make yeah. the choice, I guess, you know? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's good. Yeah, if you have to revert to something, if you're lost and confused and you don't know what, to, you're getting angry, fucking awe. Like, yeah, if you stick with awe, you're never going to go wrong. You're never I mean, going to you go wrong. Yeah, I don't know if you can awe your way out of some road rage incident. But <laughs> maybe you could. Maybe yeah, if you recognize it. who that person really is underneath the mask of their identity, you see them as like a reflection of your deepest state of who you are. And, yeah. you know, this is just some passing show. This is just some sort of like theater we're putting on as if we are separate, but like ultimately we're not. And so, yeah. but it's hard to do. It's really hard to do because um, I like, you know, we've said a couple of times, the ego is really powerful and uh, we want to be right. Being right feels so good. And you being yeah. wrong feels so good. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. we have to get out of that sort of state of mind. And I think, meditation, psychedelic experiences, like these things can help soften those corners of the mind to allow there to be like a thread of an opening there that maybe eventually will open wider and wider with time. This yeah. sense of like, that we are not fully, you know, who we think we are, you know, there's something greater going on here. Um, and I think we got to find ways to tap into that. Um, and so I don't know, that's what I try to do on a daily basis. And um, I seek people who are also doing that because it helps kind of like keep me motivated to do it because the world is so filled with such strong gravity toward like consumerism, toward this sort of monotony of just status and buying and selling and consuming, consuming, consuming. But like, I think the only thing to consume is awe, is to be in that state of wonder and majesty. And I see that in my kids, you know, especially my five-year-old, like the amount of a majesty that crosses his mind on a daily basis is just unbelievable. You yeah. know what I mean? His ability to just be open in such a pure, beautiful way to just what's magnificent about this 
centipede crawling across the floor. Like, look at this dad, look at all those legs, whatever it is. Like, that's the yeah. mindset I'm always trying to like tap into. And I feel like my art practice helps me do that too, because it's surprising. Do you find yourself always getting like, just surprised by like what comes out from what you're doing? Oh, it's fucking magic. Like I was saying, like, I don't feel, you know, the deep, the more I pay attention, I don't feel like it is me. I do remember making, and this is 20 years ago, I remember being really interested in learning how to make, uh, render a figure, like mm -hmm. basically paint a human being. I wanted to learn how to do that as, be as best as I could, because I thought um, that that would be a really amazing thing to do. I remember I just, you know, I spent year there's so there's i mean there's like again it's like we could do three podcasts about this shit but there's like i spent a bunch of time living in a car in australia and i was drawing a lot mm. and i didn't have space to make a painting but i spent like a year and a half just drawing wow. all sorts of things figures like you know like my hands or my keys or things that were around me and i came back to the united states and i finally you know i rented a place and i had enough space to make a painting and i made a black and white painting of one of the people I met when I was in Fiji. And I was like, it, I, you know, I made it, I just, you know, was doing it like I would do a drawing and it worked nice. and it like had this flow and this, and I still have the painting and I still look at it and I'm like, who did that? Yeah. Like, that wasn't, but it was magic. I literally like made the painting and like, you know, if you saw it, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's so great. Like it wasn't some genius painting, but for me, yeah. I was like, holy shit. And I left the room and came back just to make sure it was still there. I was like, holy shit. Like I, it's magic. It yeah. literally was one of the first, maybe three or four times in my life where I was like, I felt magic. Yeah, and I was man. like, oh my God, it just happened. Yeah. And like, I do think that still about making paintings where I'll make something and dude, it's not every painting. It's like yeah. every one out of every 20. Exactly. Like, oh man. Like, where did that come from? Yeah, yeah, man. I it's... go get my go get my wife and be like, look at this. And, you know, she's just like, yeah, it looks like one of your paintings. I'm like, no, <laughs> you don't see little spot. <laughs> like, it's just magic. Yeah, and, like, I don't know. I mean, you know, I know I felt that way. I mean, I definitely felt that way in other things, but like, man, art does it for me. It, like, yeah, me too, man. It's like I think those moments come through when we can learn to just get out of our own way. You know, like where you're not overthinking. It's like it's really like the essence of what Zen is. You know, it's just doing, yeah. it's just pure yeah. doing. Yeah. There's no sense of past or future. There's no sense of, of being the doer. There's just yeah. doing, there's just painting. That's like right. it's just what's happening. Um, yeah. But it's hard to like, you know, you, like you said, like one out of every 20, like I get the same thing. Like sometimes I look back at some work I've done. I'm like, what the, f that's a, how that, how did that happen? Like, where did that yeah. come from? Um, yeah. And I think, I think it's great that it doesn't happen every time, you know, because it's just reminding you that like, there's still places to grow. There's still room to expand. Like, like you were oh, saying earlier, yeah. there's no end point to our evolutionary process. It only dies when you, when you let go of, when you think, you know, right. When you think, you know, oh, yeah. no, that's it death. dies. For that sure. is, that is the yeah. only death there is, is the know is the thinking that, you know, and it's yeah. the not knowing that that really is is the essence. I mean, I don't know if you've ever read the book uh, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind uh, no. by Shunru Suzuki. Oh, incredible. I highly recommend it. Um, oh, but yeah, beginners. Yeah. Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. And yeah. Beginner's Mind is a concept in Zen about this exact idea 
Um, it's, it's not about knowing it's about being, being open and fully connected to not knowing, which is awe. I think that's yeah. what awe is. It's like, you just fully can't understand and comprehend. And yet you are fully like in resonance with what's there. Um, yeah. and I definitely see that's kind of what you're doing in your space. And I feel like that energy that comes from the work that you do is authentic and connects so deeply to me and so many other people, obviously. And so I'm just so grateful for you and the work that you're doing in, in this lifetime. And also for taking the time to be with me here today to have the discussion. I mean, we're up on an hour right now. And uh, I feel like we could keep going, but I feel like, you know, sometimes it's good to put a placeholder in it and and move on. And I feel like you know, anyone out there who's not aware of Kelsey's work, just check the show notes. There'll be links to his website, his Instagram, and anything else you want me to add into the show notes. We can talk later about that. But um, I'm just deeply grateful to you for taking the time to uh, engage with me on this podcast. And um, I'm going to be rooting you on like I always have been, man. Just keep keep doing what you're doing. It's it's really incredible and it is making an impact big time. Oh, thank you. And I'm, I'll be here rooting you on. Cool. And everybody man. else. Yeah, Fuck dude. Yeah, it, go, guys. There's only one team, y'all. There's only one team. There's no <laughs> opponents. It's just That's one it. team, dude. Well, thank That's you so it. much again, Kelsey. Um, we'll talk thank soon, you. all right? Absolutely. Thank all you, right. bro. Peace. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of Concerning the Spiritual and Art. Um, If you like what you're listening to, please uh, leave a comment. uh, Give me a rating on whatever podcast platform you're you're tuning in on. And uh, help me get the word out. Share with any friends or family, anyone you think might be interested in uh, what I'm doing over here. Super excited to bring a lot more of this content to you. Sending lots of love out to each and every one of you. Peace, y'all.